It's good to be with you this morning. This is our third week in the prodigal son. And uh, every week we've been talking about a different spot at the table and a different person in the story. If you recall, uh, even before we started this series on the prodigal son, we did Luke 14. And if you haven't been able to look at that, you ought to, because Luke 14 is all about setting up the idea of a table and a feast as being, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. So in other words, belonging to God and being his in this kingdom is a lot like sitting around a table and having him nourish you and having him fulfill you in every way. And so constantly throughout Scripture, it talks about a feast and it talks about a table, and it uses that as a representation of who we belong to. And it's this, if you're at God's table, then you belong to him, and if you're not at God's table, you're lost. And I don't just mean lost in such a way that you're condemned. I mean lost in such a way that the Father treasures you and is looking for you and deeply desires to have you here. That is an important part of this story. We talked last week about the father in some way and the way that he must have looked at this spot where the younger son was and the heartbreak that had to happen is to go, this isn't right. He's supposed to be here and he's not. And that's the way our heavenly father feels about any of us when we're away from him and when we don't belong to him. And, and so that's why it's such a huge thing when we see somebody decide to put on Christ in baptism. That's why we celebrate. It's because our Father celebrates. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. Uh, if I can, I'm going to start again with the first verse of, of Luke 15 because it matters so much. Um, if you haven't been with us, I'll give you a little review. The way that this chapter starts off is Jesus having this unique crowd in front of him. It says that he, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. And really that means they drew near to him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. So there's this unique crowd here that we've been talking about where he gets to talk to both of them at the same time. And he's trying to explain something to them. And you need to understand that audience matters because they're going to hear these things in different ways. And in particular, the thing I want us to look at today is this condemnation that they have about Jesus with he welcomes sinners, but then, and he eats with them. He eats with them. And if you think about that, that's a weird thing to say, right? I mean, to say Jesus welcomes sinners, that's a condemnation on its own. But they go, and, and he eats with them. And that's a big deal. Pharisees are pointing out, you know, it's a big deal that he eats with sinners. And they're right. It is a big deal. It's a huge deal that he eats with them. Because you need to understand something. That accusation and what they're talking about there, that word that they're using, that is not the, and he consumes pizza with them. That's not what that means. Okay. That is not just a, he consumes food with them. It means much more than that. To say that he eats with them, that word is used a few times in the New Testament, and it's usually meant oftentimes as an accusation against someone that they're accepting someone they shouldn't, or it's about accepting someone that they should. So it's about relationship. To say he eats with them doesn't just mean consume food. It means he accepts them. He invites them to his table. There's many scriptures where it talks about in the New Testament where it's saying, don't eat with these people. Do eat with these people. That's a big deal because it's not just about consuming food. It's about who gets to come and sit down at your table. Who are you accepting? Who are you willing to be in a relationship with? 
That is what that's about, and it's a huge deal. As a matter of fact, this conversation continues on, and you'll maybe recognize this one, when Paul starts talking about uh, who you eat with and who you don't. As a matter of fact, in Galatians 2, 11 through 13, this is what Paul says about Peter. He calls him Cephas, but this is what he says. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. So what they're talking about is he's accusing Peter of saying, you used to be in this spot where you would sit and you had relationship and you had a meal and you invited them to your table, these Gentiles. But then when some folks showed up who were some hardcore legalistic Jews, you decided they're no longer invited to my table. I won't sit with them. I won't have this relationship with them. And Paul called him on it. He said, man, that's hypocrisy. You can't do that. You can't have a table where sometimes you, you invite people and you go, we have a relationship, we're together, we're accepted, and sometimes they go, we're not. You can't do that. But it goes to show the depth of what it means to say, and he eats with them. I can't stress that enough. We started in Luke 14 with the idea of this master, and we talked about this, this story that Jesus told. There was a master who put on a feast, and he invited these people, and they wouldn't come. And so he invited other folks, and then he invited other folks. And the idea was going, I have this table ready, and I want these people here because I want them to know that they're accepted, that they're invited. I want to have a relationship with them. I want us to sit at the table together, and I want them to be nourished by what I have. This is a huge part of this story. So what we have is Luke 15 starting with this idea of who gets to come to the table because the Pharisees are going, he shouldn't sit at a table with them. And then we end up at the end of this story with this party and this feast and the older son deciding he's not going to come in there. So here's where we find ourselves at the end of this story again. We have the younger son who spit in his father's face and left and then decided he wanted to come back. And now he's back. And the first thing the father does is go, now I'm going to clothe you in, in my robe and then the sandals and the ring. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a party and we're going to have a feast and we're going to kill the fatted calf and now we're going to sit down and we're going to eat because the father says, finally, my younger son is back where he belongs, right here at the table with me. And that's what we're going to do. The problem is it's not a happy ending. It's one of the weirdest things about this story is it doesn't end with this happy ending. It ends with the older brother showing up and going, I'm not going in. I won't go. And the father going out to get him and begging him to come in. And then you're left with this cliffhanger because Jesus just stops the story. Because the father comes out and begs him to come in. The end. It's scary. If you're one of the Pharisees that's listening to this story, this is the time where you're going, well, hang on a minute. I know that feast, and I know that the table represents the kingdom of God. And you're telling me at the end of this story, the older brother who obeyed and didn't spit in his father's face is not at the table? This is a huge deal. This is going to leave them in such a place where I promise there was much gnashing of teeth as they walked away from this. This is scandalous in so many ways. 
Because what you have now is the father's up and outside. Nobody's eating yet. And now you have a father who goes, I have two sons whose bellies are empty and nobody's eating yet. And a father who's got to be wondering, I can't lose another son. I can't have this happen. He's waiting to eat, the younger brother, waiting for the party to start and waiting to eat. This one's saying, the older brother, I'm not coming in. And so you have a father who said, I was used to this place being filled and that place being empty and it broke my heart. And now that place is filled and this place is empty and it breaks my heart. This isn't right. This isn't the table that I planned and prepared for. This is not the desire of the father to have it happen this way. Because you need to know what's at stake here. In this conversation that the father has with the older brother, what's at stake is the relationship, right? You even hear it in the language. When the father comes out to talk to the older brother, he says, your brother has been gone and now is back. So we have to come in and celebrate. And the older brother says, this son of yours, it's different language. Do you see what's at stake here? This is a relationship. The older brother doesn't say, my brother. He says, this son of yours. You know that language, right? Sometimes maybe you've used that before when you had one of your kiddos do something that was just out of control and you go, that's your kid <laughs> to your spouse, right? This is much more serious than that because what you have is the son saying all relationships are broken through this if he doesn't come back in. Really, what you have is the older brother going, he's not my brother and he shouldn't be your son and you should not try to be his father and if you do, you're not my father, and I don't want to be your son. It breaks everything. The whole table's broken. You see how that happens? Everything's broken. You got the older brother going, you shouldn't want to be his father. And if you do, I won't come in. And that I won't come in is not just I'm going to skip this meal. It's going, I don't want to be at your table. If this is the way you're going to do things, I think this is unfair, and I don't want to be there. How in the world... Did this story end up like this? With one son back and another son refusing to come back in. I'll tell you the biggest reason that this happened is because the older brother and the father have very different values. They have very different values. And you can see it immediately. The first thing that you'll be able to see there is that the older brother values the younger brother in a very different way than his father does. And, and that goes back to the beginning of all of this. The whole idea of values, right? Think about the older brother and think about the Pharisees that are there listening to this story. Okay, at the beginning of Luke 15, it says they gathered around together and Jesus told this story. And, and don't forget, he started with, there was what's a shepherd and he lost a sheep and he went to get it. Even the Pharisees would go, that makes sense. A sheep is worth a lot to a shepherd. There's a lot of worth there. That's how he makes his living. And so the Pharisees would go, okay, I get that. And then he said, and then there was a woman, and she lost some coins, and she went to find it. And the Pharisees would go, that makes sense. Coins have worth. That's how you buy food. That's how you survive. That has worth. The sheep has worth to the shepherd. The coins have worth to the woman. And he goes, then there was a son who spit in his father's face. And you need to know the Pharisees would go, there's no worth in that person. They have zero worth. If that's what they do, they're not worth the effort to try and find them and bring them back. That's the whole point of the story. 
is to talk about who has worth and who doesn't. And you can imagine what you have here is the older son saying, there is no worth in my younger brother because of what he's done. I don't know why you want to invite him back. He's lost his worth to our family when he turned his back on us. Don't trust him. He's unclean. He's been with pigs. If he comes and sits here, we're all unclean by association with him because to sit and eat with someone is to accept them in some way. Remember, that's what this means. You know, he's been with the pigs. He's unclean. If he comes in, he makes us all unclean. Don't trust him. He'll probably do it again. He's probably going to leave again. You shouldn't trust him. And if you do, then I don't trust you. So much difference in the value of the younger brother. He's not worth your effort, Dad. He's not worth you inviting him back here. And I think that's one of the hardest things with that is the older brother not realizing the value that the father places on the son. He doesn't get how much he matters to him. And so the father gets to say, this is my table. I decide who sits here. And I get to set their worth. And somebody that I call invaluable, you don't get to call worthless. If you want to sit at my table, you don't call people worthless that I say have great value. This is going to come up a lot too. This story is going to come up again in a lot of ways because this is something that constantly has to happen with believers as they have to be reminded this. I don't know if you know the story of Cornelius, but Cornelius was a man who was a Gentile. But he was faithful, it said, and so he wanted to know about Christ. And so he sent this message, these messengers, to Peter to say, please come and teach me. And Peter had to be told about the value of who Cornelius was. So he had this vision. Do you remember this? God sent this vision to him. This is in Acts 10, 11 through 16. This is what Peter saw. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eating, eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. Now, oftentimes we've looked at that story and go, this is when God said that unclean animals are clean. That's not what this is about. This is not about what animals you eat. This is about people. This is God going, Peter, you don't get to say something's unclean if I say it's clean. You don't get to do that. You don't get to change the value of someone when I say their value is this. And that's exactly what's happening here in this spot. It's the host. It's the owner of the table. It's the leader of the kingdom who gets to say what value people have. And we don't get to say otherwise. The older brother does not have the option at this table to go, you don't matter. That doesn't happen. And that's where this break happens. And that's why they're not all sitting here having this meal at the end of the story of the prodigal son. The host, the owner, is the one who gets to set the value of people. Here's another one that they have a problem with. They don't have the same values, the older brother and the father. They don't have the same values when it comes to deeds. The older brother's putting all kinds of high value on deeds. As a matter of fact, that's his whole argument, right? Is the father comes out and goes, hey, your son's here, and he's going, well, he doesn't deserve to be there because of what he's done. 
high value on his bad deeds. And he said, but here's, here's my resume. And that's basically what he gives him. I did what you said. I've obeyed in every way. Sounds a lot like Peter, right? Going, I've never eaten this. I've never made this mistake. That's what the older brother is doing. Let me give you my resume of the deeds that I have done, which provides me the right to be here. He has no right to be here. Here's my resume, which tells you it provides my right to be here. These deeds disqualify him, and they qualify me. And that's the way the table works. And again, the father's going, this is not the way my table works. You don't understand you're placing too high a value on deeds. And here's the deal. You don't want to do that. Because if it's all about deeds, nobody gets to sit here. Only the father. It's never been about deserve. That's the problem that the younger brother had at the beginning. I deserve my inheritance so that I can go. And so he leaves. And that's what it is now with the older brother. I deserve to sit here because of what I've done. And this table has never been about deserve. You don't want it about deserve. It's one of the things I remember saying to our kids as they were growing up. Is sometimes have them when they're little, you know this, and they go, that's not fair. And I go, you don't want fair. If you had fair, you owe me $200,000. Go get a job. You know, she's four, but... Right? You don't want fair. I don't want fair. The good news of Jesus Christ and the gospel is we don't get fair. I don't want fair. I want mercy. I want grace. I want to sit at a table I don't deserve to be at. I want it. I have that desire to sit with my heavenly father because he says I can. I want that. I don't deserve it. We don't get to do that off our own deeds. I don't want fair. I want love. I want a relationship. I want the heavenly father. And the problem with the older brother here is that he's saying, here's the deal. I don't want you either. It's a real problem with the difference in values there. He places a different value on the powers of the table. That's another thing that I think is really interesting. The older brother doesn't get the power of this table. This table sets relationship. When you decide you want to belong here, this is what makes relationship happen. When you come sit here, I am your father. When you come sit here, you are my son. And if both of you come sit here at my table, the father says, that makes you brothers. This makes you the son. This makes me the father. This makes you brothers. That's what happens at this table. It defines relationship. It makes relationship. When you decide you want to be here, you make yourself a son or a daughter. And when we do this together, we are brothers and sisters. The table says so. And there's power in this table. Because don't forget, the table's what? It's the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. And so it defines who we are in every way. And not only that, here's the other power of the table. This is where the healing happens. People get healed at the table. The older brother seems to think that he's still a mess. And he hasn't been healed yet. He hasn't been cleaned up. He hasn't been washed. He hasn't got all the world off of him yet. He hasn't been forgiven of his sin. He, has, he doesn't look like a son yet. Maybe someday when he does a lot better good deeds, then maybe he's earned the right to be here. 
And what the older brother doesn't understand is that it's at the table where healing happens. You don't get well and then go to the hospital, okay? In the same way, you don't come to this table healed. You get healed at this table. It is at this place with your heavenly father where his sin and his guilt from his rebellion and from what he's done in this world will happen for him is at the table. Being here will heal him. And it's the same thing, same thing for the older brother. He doesn't get your anger and your self-righteousness and your selfishness will be healed at this table. This is why you need to come in, older brother. Come in and sit down at my table. This is where you'll be healed. This is where you'll be made new. It happens at this place. That's why we don't get to say nobody gets to come here. We don't ever get to have that. And then here's one of the other things that values are mixed up. The older brother doesn't get the value that's placed on the, who's the center of the celebration. So there's a celebration that's going on, and there's this party. And the older brother comes in, and he's upset that the party's happening. And what he doesn't get is who the celebration is for. You're celebrating my younger brother after all that he did, after all his bad deeds. You shouldn't do that. He doesn't get it. Celebration's not for the younger brother. Celebration's for the father. We are celebrating the joy of the father. Even the way he says it, we had to celebrate. My son, who is dead, is now alive. I'm celebrating. It's my celebration. It's my joy that I want to invite everybody into. Come in and enjoy and join in to my joy and what I'm doing. You need to understand that this is what's hard about this. It, what you really have is an older brother going, when are we going to celebrate me? When do we get to celebrate me? I did what I was supposed to do. That's in his question of going, you're throwing the celebration for this son of yours who did awful things. You wouldn't even give me a goat to go off and have a party with my friends. Really what he's saying is, when do we celebrate me? When do I get to be the center of the celebration? Really what you have there is you have the older brother again going, when am I the head of this table? Just like you had the younger son originally going, I want to leave. I want to make my own table. I want to make my own kingdom. I want to be the head of it. Now you have the older brother going, when do I get to be in charge? When do we celebrate me? And you have to understand what a difficult thing that is. You don't want to be the head of this table. You can't bear the responsibility of that. You don't want that burden. Trust me. You want to rely on your heavenly father for that. Someone who's filled with grace and who's filled with mercy and whose love endures forever and whose mercies are new every morning. That's who gets to be the head of the table. You don't want to get to be the head of the table. And think about what he's giving up. This, this whole, like, you could come in and have free fattened calf, which is pretty good. That's, that's good food. That's top of the, that is filet mignon. Okay that is prepared by the Father at the Father's table, no effort on your own, and you could rejoice with us. And he goes, no, I'd rather have a goat to go celebrate with my friends. Listen, I love some good cabrito, but it is not filet mignon. That is an inferior meal at an inferior table that you're asking for. And not only that, it doesn't even sound like the Father's even invited to the older son's meal. It doesn't sound like he even gets to come because he doesn't even mention him. He says, I would really love to celebrate myself. I would really like what I want. And I would like it when I'd like it. Now, 
Let me talk to you a minute about that. Sometimes when we sit at this table, we can get confused as to which position we sit in. That goes back again to our Luke 14 study when it says, when you come in, you take the place at the end of the table and let the host move you up, right? You remember that? That was one of the things is don't take a higher place than you should. Don't think that you're in charge of this. And sometimes I have a tendency to do that. Maybe I come in and I go, well, here we are at the table of God and we're rejoicing in the fact that we all belong to him, but I don't, I don't really like that song. I don't really like the way that the prayer was going. I really don't like the way that we did this or I don't like the way that we did that. And we forget this isn't my celebration. We're not celebrating me. And when I stand and go, I don't like the celebration for the Father done this way, we're removing ourselves from the seat we're supposed to be in and we're trying to sit down in this seat up here. And when our focus has to be on my comfort, what I like, all of a sudden what happens is it starts being about me. And I forget this is not my celebration. It's really what makes him smile is what matters. It's not what makes me smile. It's what makes him smile. Okay, I'll let that go. All right. Um, and the way that it, you have the older brother it, describing this, I'd really like to go and throw my own party. I'd really like to, I mean, the way Jesus describes him, it's like he doesn't even know the father. It's like, have you even met him? Do you know what matters to him at all? Do you have any idea about the things that make him rejoice and the things that make him weep? Do you know him at all? That's why I think that it's such a big deal when you start thinking about really what an older brother should have done in the first century when this happened. Here's what should have happened, okay? The younger brother leaves. The older brother comes to the table of his father because this is where he belongs, at the right hand of his father. And he looks, and he sees his father weeping every time that he looks over at that empty chair. And he sees the heartbreak of his father, and he realizes, my heart is tied to my father's heart. And with his weeping and his sadness and his brokenheartedness, ought to break my heart. That's who I'm supposed to be at his table. If it breaks his heart, it breaks my heart. I'm going to find him. I'm going to go get my little brother. Not for my little brother's sake, for the sake of my father's broken heart. And what he should have done was he should have left and scoured the earth to find him. And when he found him in this slop, in this pigsty, he should have climbed into the pigsty with him, gotten filthy in the same place, put his arm around him and said, your father wants you back. I've come to tell you that. And not only that, I want you back too. We both want you back. And then together they get up filthy and they walk back. While the older brother reminds him, don't worry about the mud. Don't worry about the mess. Don't worry about what you deserve. I know the Father. He's going to take you back. He's been missing you. He's been desiring you. He's left your place. All you have to do is come back, and you get to sit down. That's what the older brother should have done. That's not what he did. But here's the good news. We have an older brother who did exactly that, right? Right? I think this is so much leading towards what Jesus does. The older brother that we wished we, we know we have, who left the throne of glory in his father's house where everything was perfect and they were in great harmony. And he said, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go climb into the muck 
and I'm going to come down into earth, and I'm going to come find you, and I'm going to get you, and I'm going to tell you, no matter what it takes, I'm going to walk you back to your heavenly Father. No matter what. Even if it costs me getting filthy and muddy, no matter what i got to get on me, no matter if I have to die, no matter what happens, I've come to get you and walk you back to your Father. That's the older brother's job. And that's what we get to see. And that's what was done for us. Is that we have that spot with our older brother. Now here's the other part that's really neat about this. We get invited into this. We get to be part of this idea because while Jesus made the way for all of us to be here at this table, we get invited to help usher people into their spot. When, when Jesus, before his ascension, gave us the Great Commission, and he said, go and make disciples, realize we don't make a disciple. We don't make people uh, redeemed. We don't make people clean. We don't make people saved. But what we get to do is we get to usher people back to the table. The Lord's prepared the table. The Lord paid for it. But we get to help. This is something we get to do. We get to help restore them. And that's an interesting word when we talk about restore because that's part of the role that we get to do, right? The Lord saves. The Lord redeems. The Lord makes whole. But one of the things he tells us to do is to restore. Let me show you. If, if you look in um, oops, Galatians 6, 1 through 3. There's my next scripture. Galatians 6, 1 through 3. Listen to what Paul says telling us what to do. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves. You may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Man, you could have taken that and put that on the older brother, and it all works. Right? Restore your younger brother gently. But be careful, or you'll fall into sin and think you deserve to be here. If you think more of yourself than you should, you're going to deceive yourself at your place at the table. Don't do that. But we get invited to help restore. It, one of the things that, one of the ways that I've looked at it before is when we have a, maybe a brother or sister who's been away, who doesn't belong to the Lord, and then they come, and the Lord redeems them, and the Lord makes them whole, and he clothes them in Christ, and he makes them a new creation. We don't do any of that. But what we get to do is help put them in their place in the family. We get to help restore them into the family of God, and that's what he's talking about there. If somebody goes away, you help restore them to the family. Not redeem them, not save them. God does that. This is an important part. This is the part of the older brother that he should have done with the younger brother is to say, come on, right over here, this is your spot. This is where you belong. You get to restore them. I, I want to tell you about an example I saw with that. Um, I used to, when I was in Austin, I worked a lot with the African church that, uh, that the church I worked at was, uh, worked with. We had large African group. And uh, there was a guy there that was kind of a leader. And he had fallen into sin. I mean, he had turned his back on God, and he had, he had fallen into a serious sin. And he was away for a while. And they prayed about him and prayed about him and wanted him back. And there for a while, he just wasn't having any of it. But then finally, at one point, he decided that he wanted to come back. And so he came and he talked to me. And he said, what needs to happen? I've messed up. I mean, this is, I came to my senses, and I realized what I've done. 
What do I need to do? And I was talking to him. This is what redemption and confession looks like. And this is what repentance. You need to talk to your brothers and sisters in the African church. And you need to tell them. You need to say, I've gone before the Lord. And I've asked for his forgiveness. And he's forgiven me. And I said, the reason you need to do that is because the church has a gift for you to restore you. That's what we do. We get to set them back in their place and go, welcome back to the table. We're so glad you're here. Because that matters a lot. You need to remember, the biggest obstacle to the, old, to the younger son being back at the table with everybody there was the older brother. He had prepared the way. He'd killed the fatted calf. But the reason the party wasn't happening and everybody's eating is because of the older brother. That's why it is so important for us to tell people God loves you, but it's really important for us to go, we love you. Because here's the deal. If they don't believe we love them, why would they ever believe a holy God would love them? So we get this opportunity to restore them back. We get to help welcome them back into the family of God, either for the first time or to return. And I got to see the African church do this, and they have a little different way of doing this. One of the things that they do to welcome someone back is they dance them back into the fold. I'm not recommending that. <laughs> but I want you to see what it looks like. Watch this for a second. lady that you saw right there that was grabbing his hand and was doing that. Her name's Mama Wavine. She's the matriarch of the church. She's the one that everybody looks to in a lot of ways. And so when he got up and he said, here's what I've done. I think God has forgiven me. I'm asking to be part of the family. This is what they did. They got up and they danced and they grabbed him and they go, you dance with us. You want to know why? Because that's what it means to be part of this family again. And so they grab him, and they dance him back into the family. It's a great way to do that. Isn't that awesome? It's beautiful. Yeah. That's what we get to do. We get to be part of restoring people back to this table. We get to be part of the idea of going, here's your spot. It's right here. And we want to usher you right over to it and sit down. Be part of what we're doing. Remember, this is what your Heavenly Father has done to prepare this place for you. We're so glad you're back. It's a huge part of this deal. And we get to be part of this restoration, this mending of people's hearts. He calls us to this, and this is what the body of Christ does. We don't get to say, you don't belong here at this table, when the Lord has said, they have great value to me. We get to say, the Lord has saved you a spot. He's made a way for you. There's a place with your name on it, and you get to come be part of this. So what should we pray? And this is one of the things you're going to notice that I do. It's great. It's a great story. It's wonderful. But what should we pray? What should we pray for us as the body of Christ, as people who are followers? 
We're going to pray that we have hearts like the brother that showed us what it's supposed to be, like Christ. That we avoid the heart that made the older brother act in the way that he did. That we get the opportunity to restore people to the family of God. That we rejoice in the thing the Father rejoices in. We have heartbreak in the things that the Father has heartbreak in. We're going to take some time now, and we're going to pray. We're going to spend some time praying. There's going to be a couple of songs. You can pray with the people around you if you'd like to. If you know somebody who needs some prayers, you can go over and pray with them. We're going to have elders and ministers and their spouses around. You can go pray with them. I would encourage you. Some of you have come and said, I have a prodigal. I'm waiting on someone. A son, a grandson, a granddaughter, a niece. Take advantage of the most powerful weapon that we have, and that's the prayer of righteous people. Take advantage of it. Go. Let one of these elders, let one of these ministers. Now, they're not righteous because of anything they did. Righteous because they've been washed in the blood of Christ. Would love to pray with you. If you have one that you got on your heart, go and pray with somebody about that. If you're afraid that maybe you've taken on some tendencies of the older brother, go and pray about that. If you sometimes feel like maybe you get mistaken in which seat you're sitting in, go and pray about that. And if you just want to rejoice in the fact and remind yourself that you sit at this table because of a great price that was paid for by your Heavenly Father for you to be there, then go and rejoice and pray in that. So we're going to take some time to do that. If you would, stand, please. I'm going to close out the sermon with a prayer. We'll sing a few songs. This gives you the opportunity to go and pray with people, and then uh, uh, Don will come and, and close out that time. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for this table. We are thankful for what it means. Uh, we are thankful for how it's been set for us. We're thankful that we're not the host and that you are. Uh, we're thankful that you're the owner because your love uh, endures forever. Your mercies are new every morning. Your grace abounds. And with that, we get to sit at a place that we've never earned. And Lord, never let us forget that. Also, let us uh, remember that what you have prepared, prepared for us can't be taken away by anyone else. And it's not deeds that got us here, and it won't be deeds that take us away. It'll be our trust in you. And so, Lord, for those that are here right now who have um, a loved one who's away, Lord, will they... Look down that road uh, with eyes raised to the horizon, but we pray mostly, Lord, that you will intervene, that you will bring them back to you. And then, Lord, when they do, let us celebrate the way that you celebrate. Let us rejoice. Let us eat the celebration meal that you set for us. We love you, and we thank you for letting us be part of your family. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.